Father, thank you for the living hope that we have in Christ. Uh, it's living because he is alive. It's hope because we don't manufacture that or come up with it on our own. It's your presence, your power in our lives that takes us through very dark times, very painful times, uh, as we confront those temptations to maybe um, chase after something else with our lives or be drawn away from you, the living hope that continues to draw us back to the cross and the resurrection, the hope of your word. Father, as we worship tonight as, as a church, we remember believers around the world who are gathered together in different places at different times. God, thank you for our preschool, kids, student ministries. God, thank you for, for Jeff and Cinda, for Annalise and Elliot. And God, thank you for their family, the way they seek to honor you. And God, Jeff, as he seeks to do that as a, um, at work and then as a dad and a husband. God, thank you that he can share with us tonight from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm, I'm an engineer, so I need... <clears throat> a, a full spread of documentation to be able to, to talk through. Um, so let me get my podium set. Um, so we're going to be spending some time tonight in the book of Daniel. Um, and as I say that, I'm sure uh, uh, Brent's getting excited about the possibility of talking about end times. Um, but uh, we're going to steer more towards the front a uh, few chapters of the book. And um, <clears throat> as, uh, as you're, you're turning, um, we are, uh, as a family, kind of getting spun up with the summer activities and planning vacation. Um, and uh, growing up, uh, we, my grandparents would get a couple of cabins in Estes Park, Colorado, and we would load up and uh, get 15 or 20 of our family members, and we would all drive up in, in, in Estes Park and spend a couple of weeks out there. And so we had the eccentric uncle that was the rock collector that would load up my little backpack full of rocks and climb up a mountain, and, um, and all of our aunts and uncles and cousins, and we'd go fishing. And, uh, and so that activity is, is on its way. Um, one of the we're, we're headed out there in uh, in August, and it'll just be uh, my parents and my brother and his family, and uh, so there'll be lots of good memories as we we go out there and and do that. Um, one of the memories that I had is uh, uh, we made it up the mountain, and on the way down, uh, we got off the trail, um, and um, I found that uh, eight-year-old Jeffrey was the one leading the family of 15 or 20 through the woods uh, down the mountain. And uh, what felt like uh, wandering through the woods for an hour uh, until we finally found the trail was probably 15 or 20 minutes. But uh, I uh, <coughs> look to, uh, to you all to make sure that uh, you're not uh, leaving uh, me if I find myself wandering aimlessly. You can kind of raise a hand and say, let's, let's get back on track. Uh, because I, I hold the, the adults accountable for, for being lost in that situation, not myself. Um, and so I kind of look to Owen as being the adult in this situation, and so he's responsible for keeping me on track. <laughs> so um, the book of Daniel. Um, what, uh, what I want to do and, and kind of where God's laid my heart is... Um, is really just taking a look at the book of Daniel and, and kind of walking through the first, uh, first six chapters um, in a very brief way and then trying to stitch it together. 
as a kid, I remember reading uh, and, and being a part of Bible studies where we would look at specific stories in Daniel and uh, being impressed uh, at these uh, somewhat myopic views of these uh, amazing stories, miracles that God had done. And, um, and so what, what I want to do is kind of pull that up and stitch it together and take a look at what Daniel really is about. And uh, the first six uh, chapters in the book, really, um, really the book overall speaks to God's sovereignty. The first six chapters speak to God's sovereignty in specific circumstances. And so it, it really gets in and looks at a circumstantial view of God's sovereignty, how God's involved in us in the situations that, that we are a part of on a daily basis, uh, big milestones in life, small things in life. Um, God is engaged and involved. The last half of, of Daniel looks at God's sovereignty from a macro level. So it, it uh, pulls it up and looks at it from a, a futuristic and eternal perspective. So first six chapters, circumstantial, the last half, really a, a, an eternal perspective. And what I want to do is, is, uh, is stitch together that, that view of, of God's sovereignty in our life and, and the evidence of it here in the first six chapters and, um, and then kind of talk through some life application. Um, and so the, the, the first chapter, uh, what we see is... Um, the, the children of Israel and the nation of Judah being taken into exile into Babylon. And um, starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, <clears throat> it, we see one of the first miracles uh, in, um, be, begin to, to, to kind of manifest. Uh, verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank, Therefore, he asked the, the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And so we have a situation where we have God's people being pulled into a pagan nation, and immediately they're being asked to start taking on that pagan, uh, some of the pagan culture and lifestyle. And D Daniel's first response is, uh, God's told me what, what it is my diet should look like, and so I'm going to hold to that. And... Um, the, the thing that, that I find interesting is we see uh, almost immediately uh, God's hand in the life of both Daniel and the people that he's going to be interacting with. So God moves in the heart of that, that chief to have compassion on Daniel so that he is willing to hear out Daniel and, and give, uh, give some uh, credence to what he's asking to do. Um, and so essentially the story moves on and we see that uh, Daniel has, has pled his case um, that uh, the, the, the chief is saying, if you don't take the food, the king's offering, the king is going to come back and say, why are we treating these people differently than others? Um, and, and essentially, he's worried about the king taking his head for not treating these people uh, appropriately, uh, to treating Daniel and his friends appropriately. Daniel said, let's do a test. Let's, let's go for 10 days. Let me eat uh, vegetables and, and water. So this is, the, this is the chapter that we use to teach our children the importance of eating your fruits and vegetables. And so that, if, if we take that away, we can, we can take that back to the kids. But uh, let's do a test. Let, let me eat my fruits and veggies and my water, and your, your team can eat whatever they want to. At the end of 10 days, we'll go through a test. At the end of 10 days, we see in verse 20, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And so immediately, the, the first test, the first evaluation, we see uh, the king beginning to acknowledge and recognize uh, 
and, and warm up to the idea that the God of Daniel is, uh, ha- has some power and has some ability to influence. Um, the, in chapter 2, we move on to a story related to an interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about this statue that's made up of uh, four different materials. And at the end of the dream, this, this large rock comes in and smashes the statue up. And, and so um, he approaches the wise men in his council and says, I need somebody to interpret this dream. And so um, starting in verse 5 of chapter 2, um, the king answered and said uh, to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. Now, I, I find that that punishment is something that, for some reason, seems to be the standard punishment. He repeats that same punishment no matter what the, the crime uh, throughout the, the book of Daniel. And so uh, that may be Nebuchadnezzar's go-to. Um, but in verse 6, but if you show the dream and its interpretation... You shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we shall show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time. Um, because you see that the word from my, me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. And so... He, he has stated what that sentence is. He's going to tear them limb from limb. He's going to tear down their houses, and he's going to, going to uh, wreak havoc on them. And, um, and he's, he's called them out as liars, as unable to perform the role for which they've been put in that position. Um, and what we find as the story progresses is they're not able to perform, and, uh, and so Nebuchadnezzar sends his guards out to go collect all the wise men in the nation and, and kill them. And, and what we find uh, later is uh, Daniel is hanging out with his buddies at his house, and he gets a knock on the door, and the guard answers, and Daniel says, hey, what's going on? And the guard says, I'm here to take you back and kill you because we, we didn't interpret the dream. And um, in verse 14, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. I think that's kind of a funny phrase. Um, it's right after the guard says, I'm here to kill you. Um, He's trying to figure out why he's being taken aside and murdered. Um, Daniel then begins to feel his way through, asks if he can have uh, an audience with the king, and then goes through and proceeds to interpret the king's dream. Um, And at that point, uh, if you flip ahead to verse 47, it says, The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the mystery. And the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And so we see another situation where because of Daniel's faithfulness and willingness to serve, uh, he saved all of the wise men in in that area. He also found favor with the king and God then put him in a position to be uh, in a, a position of influence and protected along with his friends. We also have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his friends, that now are in a position of authority as well as a result of that. Um, and so th- through God's sovereignty, through, through Daniel and his friend's faithfulness, we find him well positioned to be able to continue to serve. Uh, in chapter 3, 
uh, we have the, the story of the fiery furnace, and, um, and I can't help but think of the, the VeggieTales version of it with uh, the, uh, the chocolate factory, and, and uh, so that's where my mind goes to, and I have to kind of pull it back to, to something a little more mature. Um, but um, the, the, pr- the story here is um, really focused in, on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar builds this golden uh, statue uh, and puts an edict out that every time the bell tolls, the nation has to bow down to this statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to do it. And as a result of this, they are um, captured, brought before the king, and, um, and told to bow before the statue. Uh, their response is found in chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So I want to take a minute just to kind of think through the response. Um, the, there are a couple of key words in this that, that drive some significant meaning behind this and help, help us to see how the focus of this book, this chapter, is really about God's sovereignty and not about the individuals in it and their ability to overcome their, their willingness and, and, and strong pigheadedness and not bowing down. This, this verse indicates that their faithfulness is not dependent on whether or not God will, will save them their faithfulness is just because it, it exists just because God is who he is. Um, the, the verse says, our God is able. They have every confidence that their God is able to save them, that he's able to preserve them. But later on in the verse, it says, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So their faith in God was not contingent upon God saving them or doing something for them. It, was, it just was because he is who he says he is. Uh, and, and so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more as we, we walk through some more of the stories. Um, in uh, verses uh, 24 and 25, uh, we see uh, all of them are in the fiery furnace. Uh, the king looks in there and sees that there's a fourth person in there. He's a little bit confused as to why there's not just just uh, ash. Uh, and he says there's a fourth person that is the likeness of the Son of God. Um, and... Uh, and then in 26, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes the Most High God and, and continues to become humbled and, and, uh, and cognizant of the existence and power of Daniel's God. Um, we go to chapter 4 and chapter 5, and we have uh, two different dreams here. Uh, we have a, a dream um, that Nebuchadnezzar has that he needs interpreted, and Daniel is brought in to interpret his son, Belshazzar, also has a, a vision at a party he's holding of a, uh, a hand writing something on the wall. And so Daniel comes in to interpret. The interpretation of both of these is, is, is basically the same in that both of these, these rulers are uh, prideful. The, the dreams indicate that they are going to fall. Um, and the differences in their responses ultimately result in one of them losing their life, Belshazzar, and Nebuchadnezzar 
he wanders around in a field as a beast, eating, uh, eating grass, and, and um, uh, just it really it describes him wandering around with the cattle for, uh, I think, 12 months. And at the end of that, he becomes broken, humbled, and lifts his hand to God, uh, head to God in, in a humbled manner, acknowledging that God is who he truly says he is. And so through Nebuchadnezzar's brokenness and humility, what happens is God changes his heart and restores him back to power and uh, puts him back in a position of authority. And so we see this uh, the, the, a similar type of expectation with two different responses. And again, Daniel is put, remains in that position of authority and, and uh, in that favored position as a result of his, his, uh, his support there. Um, and the other thing that I find interesting about the book of Daniel is I've never had a dream worth interpreting to my knowledge, and it seems like everybody and their dog has a dream in here that's, that's, that's as critical as can be, um, and with the first one being worth killing everybody over. So it's, it is, uh, it, it, it's just strange and interesting how each one of these things is all happening in, in his life. Uh, he has several things happen in his life that I can't imagine one of them happening in mine. Um, chapter 6 is the story of the Daniel in the lion's den. And uh, this is one that we um, uh, uh, talk about quite a bit and, and go over quite a bit. Um, and, and what uh, we have here, and one of the things that I want to draw attention to, is, um, is Daniel in chapter 2, whenever he raises his hand and interprets the vision, he saves a number of these pagan wise men that, that, that they're referred to. Uh, in chapter 6, we see the, the pagan wise men that are supporting Darius plotting to go get, uh, to, to, to remove Daniel from his position of respect and authority with the king, uh, even to the point of, of, of killing him. And so uh, likely some of the people that he was, uh, was a part of saving are, are now also plotting against him and, and standing up. And so that's, it really just goes to the fact that they are in a caustic, pagan, uh, God-hating uh, culture and environment. Um, and their faithfulness ultimately is what puts them in a position to be able to, to influence. Um, and, <clears throat> and so the first part of chapter 6 is we see them laying out their plot. Um, the king respects Daniel and finds favor with Daniel um, and when he finds that Daniel has been caught in this situation where he's, he's, he's worshiping another god other than the king, uh, he, he really is, is heartbroken and devastated over the fact that this, this prized uh, advisor is now in a position where he's, he's violated the law and now must be thrown in the lion's den. Uh, and so they go through with it. Um, they, they put the stone over the hole and uh, the, the spirit closes the mouth of the lions. They remove the stone, and, and Daniel is, is safe and fine. They pull him out. The, uh, the, the other aspect of this is they didn't just throw... The, the king went after those that advised him to set this law up, and they threw them in the den after. But they didn't just throw them in there. They, they threw their entire family in, spouse, kids. So, the, <clears throat> again, this, the, this idea that the... the the results of, of violating that law ultimately ends up as having drastic repercussions. Um, so, <clears throat> how, 
how do we tie all this back to something that seems applicable to what we do on a daily basis? We've got all these dreams that, that may seem to be uh, not necessarily all that applicable. Like I said, I've, I, maybe you all have had dreams worth interpreting, but I've not uh, had any. Um, I've never been put in a position where I've uh, had to, to fret, wake up fretting, being thrown into a lion's den or, uh, or, or necessarily a fiery furnace even. Um, the, the thing that I want to want to hit on and, and try to draw attention to is the overarching theme, uh, again, of just God's sovereignty. And, uh, and so, uh, in order to kind of draw a correlation, um, what I want you guys to think about is, what is it that you woke up think, uh, thinking about this morning? When you woke up today, what, what were the things that were weighing on your mind? Did you have to go to, were you, were you thinking about work? Were you thinking about where the kids, where you're going to take the kids? Um, did you have uh, some chores, some activity that you had to go take care of? Were there, there bills weighing on your mind? Or um, maybe the car needs to be repaired and we're trying to figure out where the money's going to come for that or, or where the time's going to come, come in to, to be able to take the car in. Um, we have all of these tasks and things that ultimately weigh on our hearts and our minds, and those things are, are real. Um, they're things that we have to go uh, take care of. They're things that we, we, need to, we need to be responsible with. We need to make sure that and be good stewards of our, of our home, of our cars. Uh, we need to be responsible at work. Um, but the, the, the thing that, that we, we often lose sight of is, um, one, at times when we get bogged down with all of the things that we have going on, it's hard to remember to be thankful for the things that God's given us and the way in which God's blessed us. Um, and we look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you have a group of God's people that are dumped into a pagan environment. They're dumped into a godless environment. And we take a, take a, take a step back and we look at where we're at. We are believers were God's people dumped into an environment that is largely a, a God-hating, godless environment. Um, and we, we in the United States have, a, have it much easier and much better in terms of being able to worship. We can worship freely. We can come here in this environment and, and praise and worship and, uh, with, with no fear of persecution. Um, but in general, when we go to work, when we go and interact with people, there are opportunities everywhere that we go to be able to be an encouragement and a light and, and to be able to show what it looks like to be that God-fearing uh, people. And so that's what they saw when they were looking at Daniel. Uh, and so there are things that we have to be thankful for. There are things that we have to, to praise God for. Um, but I also want to draw attention to, to really the way the book is written. Um, and there are... There are books in the Bible that give us an idea of how it is to, to behave, how it is to respond emotionally, um, and that are focused more on the, the personal aspects, the personal relationship with God. And, and so we look at the book of Psalms, and we can look at da uh, David and how he interacts. And you can tell when he's in despair, when he's uh, in, in, a, in, in the midst of tragedy, uh, and when he's trying to overcome something, when he has people chasing after him, when he's, when he's in uh, a mode of being uh, very praiseworthy and thankful. And so there's books in the Bible that we can go to and we can say this, this emotion, this is where it fits and this is how we can respond. The way Daniel is structured is uh, you, you read 
about Daniel, and it, you read about him being thrown into the lion's den, and he really didn't have any emotion. I mean, it's just, I'm going to throw you in the lion's den, and it's just, okay. And he just steps in, and I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response is just, okay. And so the, the focus everywhere you read is not on the individual and how they responded to the situation. The focus is on how God interacted, how God engaged. And so oftentimes we get so caught up with the things that we have to do on a daily basis that we're overwhelmed by what we have to do. We even also are, are caught up in our prayers with thanking God uh, for what he's done for us and also praying and asking God for the list of things that we need him to go do for us. What, what we often forget to do is to take a step back and just praise God and meditate on who he is. And there's a difference between being thankful and being praise and, and, and praiseworthy. Being thankful is contingent upon something having happened to you or for you. Praising and, and praise is independent of anything that has happened for you. Praise is something that is, a, is attributed to the object that you're praising just because of what it is. And so God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. Um, He's sovereign, and he has a list of attributes that when we actually stop and think about those and meditate on those, it helps to put us in perspective to who God is, and there's a tremendous amount of humility that comes with that that changes how we think about the problems that may come into our lives. The, the, the fiery furnace that comes, uh, comes our way or the, 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 the lion's den that may come our way seems uh, totally small and, and insignificant whenever you truly are looking at who God is and, and what, he's, what he is capable of. Um, and, and as we look through the book of Daniel, we realize that there's nothing that we're going to face that God hasn't already taken somebody through. The, the significance of the problems that we have going on, God cares for us and about all of those things in entirety but we should have faith and hope in seeing a situation like what we see with Daniel and, and, and having an appreciation for the sovereignty of God and how he's going to move us through that and how he's going to build us up as a result. And because of Daniel's constant faithfulness and just sticking to his routine, being consistent, being faithful to God, he gained a reputation in his, uh, his community for, for being that God-centered, God-focused person so that when there were problems that came up, the king first went to the people that were hired to perform that support, and when they couldn't do it, he went to Daniel, who, who was an exiled Jew, to go solve his problems. Um, and, and so the, the, the thing that I want to encourage you all to think through and to pray through is in your office setting, even at home, um, with the people that you interact with, are, are you um, viewed by those around you as the cynic? Are you viewed as the, the one that is um, really just sitting in the background? Um, are you viewed as the, the one that's critical, that maybe um, not all that helpful? Or are you viewed as the one that's joyful in a time that seems really uh, not, not, all that, uh, not all that pleasant? Are you viewed as the one in an office setting that... Uh, where everybody else is cynical and you seem to be the only one that has uh, a giddy-up in your step? Um, are you willing to serve when there seems to be nothing there that you can really benefit from? And 
<clears throat> when you take the mindset of being servant-minded, being willing and faithful in those environments that, that may not be all that encouraging, um, there may not be a pro- promotion in there. There may not be, uh, you, you're, you're still going to be tired at the end of the day. Um, but ultimately, you put yourself in a position to be available, to be used by God in the most critical times in, in the individuals that you interact with. Uh, and, and that's what God's called us to be. Um, and so that's, that's really what God's laid on my heart as it relates to Daniel chapter 1 through 6. Um, and, and really the encouragement that I have for, uh, for you all. Um, and so with that, um, let me go ahead and pray to close us out. Um, and I do have one announcement before I close, and this is the most important announcement. Uh, the facilities guys have asked us to leave the chairs where they are. Um, so I think there's something going on. So I think we're good. Um, so I'll go ahead and pray to close us out. Lord, I thank you for who you are, uh, and, I, and I praise you, uh, God, for, uh, for loving us enough um, to, to chastise us, to teach us, to convict us. God, I ask that you um, give us compassion for those that we interact with and a vision for those that are in need. Uh, and and um, God, I pray that you allow us to don uh, the fruit of the Spirit in the environments that seem to be the most caustic and the most challenging uh, so that we can be in a, light, a light in a dark place we can be the, the source of encouragement to those that need it. Um, and when those that are um, uh, that seem to be most opposed to the, to, uh, to the Word of God and most opposed to you, that when they are broken and when they're in, in a desperation, that they know they can come and talk to us for encouragement and, and for love, um, somebody that cares and that through that we're given an opportunity to point them to you and, and soften their hearts and, and hopefully see them come to you as, as a believer. God, I appreciate the, those that are here and, and uh, just ask that you uh, bless them um, and, uh, and just encourage them through the rest of the week. In your holy name I pray, amen.